0: If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email or visit us at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find Sarah's email in the show notes. Also, we would like to say a special thank you to Angel Scott in honor of Angel's godparents, Mel and Phyllis Gowing, for sponsoring this week's episode.
1: So, oh... So now Jesus is telling me if I want to be first, and that's good, we always want to be first, I have to be last of all and servant of all. So I better go get busy, humbling myself and serving everyone, busy, busy, busy. So Jesus looks at me and says, ooh, you're first. Good job.
0: What's up, everybody? And welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran Lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. After the transfiguration, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection to his disciples for the second time, only to be met with confusion and fear. We ask our guests this week, Luther House of Studies co-directors, Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson, why did the disciples react in confusion and fear to Jesus telling them that he was going to be betrayed, killed, killed? And be raised again. Then we get a front row seat to Jesus' reaction to the disciples' argument of who is the greatest, where Jesus says the famous line Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Let's get into this week's conversation about who Jesus is and what's going to happen to him. Here's Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying, and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, But the one who sent me. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have both of our co-directors this week, both Sarah Stenson and Dr. Chris Krogan. Thanks for being here, both of you.
1: Thank you. Really good to be here.
2: So we are in uh, the ninth chapter of Mark. Uh, we're not uh, directly after uh, last week's lectionary text, but we are after, but there are a couple of things that happen uh, in between that might help uh, give context, at least to this first verse with mm-hmm. this, uh, this they went on the, on from there. Who, right. is, who is they?
1: right. So, the, the couple things that had happened in between last week's text and this week's are pretty significant. Um, what we now call the transfiguration had happened. So, Jesus, uh, Peter, James, and John had just come down from the mountain uh, at, from the transfiguration, and they encountered a crowd. And when they got down from the mountain, and then in that crowd, ultimately, Jesus removed an evil spirit from a boy that the disciples had been unable to remove. So they went on from there. That's what had just happened. Um, and then passed through Galilee.
3: And the interesting thing is, why can't they remove the evil spirit? Well, this is, again, partly why Jesus is saying, don't tell them, You don't, don't tell anybody yet, because, again, they don't have the power to defeat Satan, which is to make faith. Faith in what? Faith in the gospel specifically. Hmm.
0: So they passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples. Does that does the teaching of the disciples have anything to do with that he didn't want anybody else to know this? Was he wanting to teach yes. the disciples first?
1: It goes. This is ex, it, this goes exactly to what Chris was just getting at. Um, and as this text says, he was teaching his disciples and specifically saying to them. So this is what he was teaching. The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. So this is a second time of three times, ultimately, that Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. So he did not want anyone to know it. Um, goes right at the, what Chris was just saying about they didn't have the power quite yet fully to defeat Satan. Because Jesus had not yet actually done what he came to do. He didn't actually come to do the physical healings and the things we've talked about in the last couple weeks of lectionary text. He actually truly came to do exactly what he is telling them here, to be killed and three days after being killed, rise again. And of course, we know this is for the forgiveness of sin, to defeat sin, death, and the devil. So that's what he's telling them specifically or teaching them specifically.
2: It almost seems like a, a sort of review lesson because, as we heard last week, he's, he said essentially the same thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Yep. So he's got another gospel sermon here
2: in short, you know,
3: so.
1: And their reaction is telling yep. too. They didn't understand what he was saying and they were afraid to ask him.
3: And that's an interesting thing. Again, kind of like what happened last week when we were talking about Peter is uh, he's kind of put in his place, but the disciples are afraid. So the Jesus sermon of this short gospel again, what is the gospel? Son of man is be betrayed. That is to say, sin is going to happen to him. Mm -hmm. And as the consequence of sin is death, Death. they're going to kill him. And yet that death and sin won't have the final word over him. So he's going to be raised on this after the three days. So there's this sermon, the gospel in a nutshell, and uh, this time it's not just offensive; it causes fear, which is an interesting thing.
2: Yeah, and I, the uh, the act of betrayal implies that uh, uh, it's perhaps among his own friends, the, the people whom he was closest to, that this will actually occur. And. In, in- I mean, they can hear this, and right course. betrayal has some sort of personal, <laughs> yeah. yeah, implications.
0: You can't really betray someone you don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, right.
1: Yeah.
2: If
3: you were told that your uh, nation's leader is going to have a coup against him, you're expected to rise up and keep that from happening, or something like that, right? Oh, oh no, this is not going to go well. If if mm-hmm. our Lord is saying he's going to die, mm-hmm. well, this is this is not going to go well for us.
1: I was, I think that's the other thing I was going to add. It's also I think as likely that um, they're hearing, wait a minute, this is the guy we are following around, Mm -hmm. obviously closely affiliated with, and if he's going to be betrayed in human hands and killed, what's going to happen to us? I think that may be part of the fear as well. The guy
0: who's able to bring people back from the dead, the guy who's able to (laughs) throw out demons, the guy, like you'd expect that he'd be able to save himself. Mm -hmm. But if he's saying, well, I'm going to be killed. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're
3: yep. Killed by association.
0: What's well, so not even uh, right? He's, he's, he's not even saying thing. I'm going to die. He's saying I'm going to be killed. I think. Right? Yeah. That's, exactly. He's not just saying I'm a human who's going to die one day. He's I'm going to be killed. Yep. Relatively yep. soon. Relatively soon. Yep. And they
1: don't understand. They did not understand what he was saying because, of course, it hasn't happened yet.
0: And he doesn't say for the forgiveness of sins. Right. right. He doesn't
2: actually say those no.
1: words. No. Right. Nope.
2: So uh, they continue on. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, uh, he asked them, "What were you arg- arguing about on the way?" This reminds me of when you're hiking with people, maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're behind or in front of people, and you're not in the conversation. Have <laughs> you hear it. Mm-hmm. What were you guys having <laughs> such yeah, a good discussion yeah, exactly. about? It. I want to be included. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get back
0: to the campsite. And you're like,
2: loop me uh, in. And they're silent. Yeah. But they yeah. were silent.
1: But they, it goes on. The, for
0: yeah. on the way, they had argued with one another who was the greatest. So were they silent because they knew they were arguing about shameful things?
1: I The way I read that is they were silent, comma, for on the way or because. They were silent because on the way they'd been arguing about who was the greatest. So my guess is it's kind of like children, that you, they knew, the, the disciples knew, no one really wanted to give it up to Jesus and admit what they were actually arguing about, which is, who's the greatest? I'm better. No, you're better. So Jesus, it, it really is something of a trick question um, because he sits down, calls those 12 disciples, and then says, he addresses what they'd been talking about. Um, so he knew exactly what they right. had been arguing about.
0: It's like if I step into a different room and all my friends start discussing about me and I walk back into the room and all of a sudden it falls silent. Right. It's like, well,
3: yes. I know exactly what you were talking about. You know about. what's going on. And the other thing is, fascinating thing, which is why, again, they didn't have the power yet or anything like that. When you argue about who's the greatest, you're always caught in the law. And it's going to be, again, a self-righteous endeavor here. And so they still don't get it. They never get it in the gospel mark until the very end. You know, so they're, I always like to say, the disciples in the gospel mark are like Larry Moe and Curly. they just always stumbling over themselves, never understanding anything of what, even though they come up with an answer, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. It doesn't mean they understand exactly what they just said, so. So Jesus pulls him over onto the side and uh, says, So whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all.
1: Right. And people do tend to hear that as a prescription or a formula. So, oh, so now Jesus is telling me if I want to be first, and that's good, we always want to be first, I have to be last of all and servant of all. So I better go get busy humbling myself and serving everyone, busy, 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 So Jesus looks at me and says, ooh, you're first. Good job. That is not actually what's happening here, though, Um, because if you are attempting to be first by making yourself last, humble, servant of all, busy, 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 this is actually not truly being last and servant you are actually trying to be first this is idolatry of self so in the attempt to be last by and by or and serving all you are actually demonstrating how not humble how much of a servant you really are not you're benefiting yourself not actually truly serving others
0: yeah you're Really concerned about where you're standing in line, mm-hmm. right? You're like, well, I need to be last in line in order to be first, so right? So, I'm oh no, you go, just, first. Like, you go yeah, first. You go first. You go first. You go first. I'm just gonna just wait back here. It's, right. It just reminds me of like how like middle school kids act. You know, they're gonna mm-hmm. manipulate their way, trying to play it off as cool, but their motives are actually very Selfish. apparent. You know, yeah. they're
1: calculating. That's exactly
2: it. And, yep.
3: and again, whenever you find yourself calculating, you're looking for an advantage. Whenever you're looking for the advantage, the advantage is always in the law, which is always self-serving. So you can always just understand, even your own reflections on things or somebody else's reflection. If they're calculating something, you know it's going to be to a benefit of themselves. Even if they say, no, no, this is for somebody else.
0: Even under the quote-unquote, you know, the Steve Covey, kind of win-win language you know right. in the in the business world, Like yeah. you're supposed to always try to come up with something that benefits you, but it all benefits your your customer, your your friend or something so right even when you're trying to accommodate everybody.:
2: yep, it is still for for your, your benefit. own benefit,
1: mm-hmm. exactly. Yep. yeah. Mm.
2: So he uh, finds a little child, or there's a little child of years Oh, a, a child. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, you <laughs> can't speculate where this child comes from, but then he took a little child and put it among them, taking it in his arms and said to them, whoever welcomes one such a child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Why does he say this right after his his quip? Whoever... Uh, wants to be first, must be last? That's a great question. That's a great question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think actually this verse is, it's key to this, or one of the keys certainly to this text. Children, of course, had no place in that world, in that culture or society. Um, It, So when Jesus is saying, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, this is actually a depiction, effectively, of this um, must be last of all and servant of all. That little child who has no social standing, no nothing, no voice, no rights, no
2: status at all,
1: exactly, is actually um, Jesus is now identifying saying here, whoever, like when you welcome that one with no status, no voice at all, no rights, then you're welcoming me. And whoever welcomes me, Jesus, welcomes not me, but the one who sent me, which ties it right up to that second prediction of his death and resurrection, the son of man is to be prayed in human hands, etc. So Jesus is saying here, Clearly, he's the son of man who will be killed and rise again, and God has sent him to do exactly that. Um, so it's a declaration; it's a another kind of line in the sand here that this is who he is and what is about to happen to him.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not a prescription of no. saying, "Oh, like you need to welcome everybody into your church, or you need to right. welcome uh, people with no standing." you know, everybody, you need to welcome everybody. It's not not some sort of
3: prescription. No, it's not in the law. It's in a depiction of when you are freed from self-preservation or arguing who's the best at the law, such as who's the best welcomer, right? Right. Who's the greatest at welcoming? Who's the greatest at at accepting? Who's the greatest at whatever? That's not what Jesus said at all.
1: It would actually, at that point, you would be doing exactly what the disciples were doing. That you would be arguing about who's who's the greatest. If you turn this text into a um, well, Jesus is now telling us we have to welcome. Uh, you know, pick a pick a group, any group with low low social standing or status, or even children um, that can be preached to. Not not. Um, In a healthy way, not in a good way. But sometimes people even take this text or verse and turn it into a, oh, look, Jesus loves the children, which is absolutely true. But that is not what Jesus is saying in this verse. He is not telling us, well, now you have to welcome everyone in order to be first. That is flipping the text on its head by trying to benefit yourself. It's the opposite of what Jesus is truly saying here, which is, this text is about him. This, this whole thing is about Jesus and what is about to happen to Jesus because it is God the Father who sent Jesus to do exactly this.
0: And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson for teaching us that this text is about Jesus and what's going to happen to him. It's not about what we need to do. The Son of Man will be betrayed. Sin will happen to him. Jesus will be killed because the consequence of sin is death. But in the end, he will be raised again because sin and death don't have the final word over us. We want to thank the sponsors who make this podcast and all the other ministries at Luther House of Study possible. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sstenson at augie.edu. That's sstenson at augie.edu. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. If you have a question about something you heard in this episode, we'd love it if you'd send us a message or comment on one of our posts on Facebook. You can find our page at Luther House of Study, and we respond to every comment and message as quickly as we can. It'd also be helpful if you'd leave a rating and comment of Scripture First on Apple Podcasts. Doing so helps others find the podcast when they're searching for shows just like it. Thanks again for joining us this week. Have faith in God's promises. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.